Welcome to WOMA's series on Occupational and Environmental Medicine Updates, where today we are speaking with Dr. Heather Limpel on skin eruptions associated with COVID-19 infection and prevention. My name is Dr. David Corretto, and I am today's moderator. WOMA is the Western Regional Component of the American College of Occupational Environmental Medicine. We have designed these WOMA podcasts to be a tool and a benefit for WOMA members to stay current on topics of interest to occupational and environmental medicine physicians. The WOMA Education Committee members involved in the planning of this session have no relevant financial relationships to disclose. Dr. Lampel is a consultant to National Eczema Association and a MERS employee, but reports no conflicts of interest. It is said by the father of modern medicine, Sir William Osler, at the turn of the 20th century that the physician who knows syphilis knows medicine in reference to this infectious disease's ability to create a myriad of clinical presentations. In our current era of medicine, COVID-19 captures this spirit as this viral infectious disease is linked to many conditions, including arrhythmias, stroke, loss of taste and smell, among others. In early April, 2020, we became aware of a condition called COVID toes, a bluish discoloration of the toes in patients admitted with COVID-19. Today, we will learn about this and other skin manifestations of COVID-19, including those conditions that arise from excessive hand washing and sustained use of facial PPE. Heather Lempel is a double board certified dermatology and occupational medicine physician. She received her medical degree from the Ohio State University College of Medicine and completed her dermatology residency at the University of California, Irvine. She obtained a master's degree in public health at the University of Pittsburgh while completing occupational environmental medicine residency. Dr. Lempel is a fellow of both the American Academy of Dermatology and the American College of Occupational and Environmental Medicine. She practices dermatology in Raleigh, North Carolina, and also works in research and development. She is a speaker at national medical conferences and has authored numerous dermatology publications. Welcome, Dr. Lempel. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure and an honor. Uh, you're welcome. We're glad you're here. Although the pulmonary system is recognized as the primary location for effects of novel coronavirus in symptomatic patients, extra pulmonary effects of the virus have been documented involving multiple organ systems, including the skin. What are some of the unique dermatological findings associated with COVID-19? So it's a great question um, and one that we're still trying to figure out. Um, one of the things we've noticed is that perhaps there isn't anything unique about the eruptions, but that they may be uh, eruptions that we see in a lot of different viral infections. Um, but we did have quite a moment, thank you for saying the COVID toes, so we'll certainly cover those. Um, but un unfortunately, there's no pathognomonic rash that we found. Um, however, what we have found is a, a quite a varied presentation on the skin, um, either pre-drome in terms of the prodrome, during infection, and even sometimes post-infection, so during the recovery phase. Um, some of those eruptions are uh, related to even urticaria. So um, essentially urticaria is hives. So sort of this uh, effervescent rash that occurs on the skin um, that lasts typically less than 24 hours in one spot but may move along the body. Um, some other things that we've seen include viral exanthems. 
So these can be associated with any viral infection. So again, not specific to um, COVID-19, um, but that said, it definitely has been seen in the setting of infection with COVID-19. Um, other things that we've seen as well include even blistering or vesicles on the skin, um, somewhat like a, a chicken pox-like eruption um, or even a herpes simplex-like eruption. So uh, even to that extent. Um, the more exciting and I would say um, specific rashes are ones that have really gotten uh, the dermatology's attention, uh, the dermatology community's attention, are these uh, more vascular appearing rashes. So I think that's where these COVID toes come in. Um, one of the really interesting patterns that we've seen is this lace-like pattern um, on the skin, and we call it a lividoid uh, vasculopathy. So we tend to see these outside of COVID um, with either connective tissue disease or vasculopathies. Um, so that really goes along with what we think is the pathogenesis um, of these rashes in COVID-19. Um, there's also a name called levito reticularis. Um, and that, again, is, is somewhat descriptive of this sort of purplish uh, lace-like pattern that tends to occur. We've seen it on uh, primarily the extremities, but it could occur anywhere. Um, and then, of course, um, our crowning moment um, is the COVID toes. Um, and if anyone has seen Pernio, um, this is a very typical uh, presentation of that. So again, not specific to COVID-19, but we tend to see these in some of these connective tissue disease um, states and also some uh, inflammatory vasculopathy states. So what is COVID toes or what does it look like? Um, so it's this purplish discoloration um, of the toes, typically on the dorsum, but we've seen it also distally. Um, and even sometimes on the soles. Um, but again, it's something that is, is giving us a bit of a moment and something where perhaps it might be something to trigger, hey, is there has there been an exposure? But do know there are many causes for all of these eruptions. Um, but again, everything is, it, we're, we're trying to grasp at something pathognomonic, but really haven't found that yet. So that's fascinating because initially it seemed that there would be this key link or this key pathognomonic, but if I'm hearing you correctly, it sounds that it's more that in general, um, there's these associations which may or may not um, be directly related to COVID, but more so speak to the systemic effects of COVID. Given that there might be issues with the sensitivity and specificity of these findings of the skin, um, what would you recommend to occupational environmental medicine in regards to screening for these symptoms in addition to other symptoms of COVID? It's a great question. Um, one thing I, I think is really important to ask our patients is, do you have any new rashes? So not, you know, oh, I used to have um, pernio or I've had, you know, hives since I was 12. The question is, do you have any new rashes or any new findings on your skin? So something new, I think, would be something to screen for. Now, um, earlier when we were discussing, um, you mentioned some really great comments about the COVID Dermatology Re Registry, which was a collaboration between the American College of Dermatology and the American College of Rheumatology. Uh, can you tell me more about this? 
Absolutely. Thank you for asking that, um, because we would love for all practitioners to know about this. So uh, if you do see um, patients with COVID-19 or rashes that are associated with COVID-19 um, or someone who has a pre-existing dermatologic condition who then uh, gets COVID-19, we would love to collect that data. So um, this registry was established, as you said, it's, um, it's actually housed on the American Academy of Dermatology website. Um, and what we're trying to do is collect reports because as you know, without data, we have, no, we have nowhere to go. Um, at this point, everything seems to be um, sort of uh, case by case. So if we can collect all that information, perhaps we can um, get some prognostic factors. Um, so we're re collecting reports of skin manifestations of COVID-19. And again, all healthcare professionals can enter cases. You don't have to be a dermatologist. Um, you could be um, essentially anyone who sees patients with COVID-19. Um, it takes about five to seven minutes, um, and there's no identifying features that you're gonna have to give. Um, and essentially, any and all patients with possible, even if you suspect, you're welcome to, to go ahead and, and uh, report that case um, because more data is certainly helpful. Um, and then, like I said, if you have a maybe a patient who has a history of eczema or psoriasis, um, who has a, a new finding or is is um, infected with COVID-19, we'd also love to capture that data because uh, from that standpoint, we'd, we would love to know how the infection um, affects those types of um, pre-existing conditions. What a wonderful resource. We will definitely be adding that link uh, to the Dermatology Registry um, next to the podcast um, on the WOMA website. Now, for those of us in hospital-based systems um, or occupational medicine clinics in general, um, we become increasingly aware of hand dermatitis among hospital-based employees uh, due to increased hand hygiene. Do you have any advice for employees suffering from, from irritated hand skin? Absolutely. Uh, you know, we're all seeing this. I think we're all suffering from this as well. Um, and, and this is even happening, you know, in the home, uh, certainly at work. So um, as we are told to constantly clean our hands, um, you know, and and I would say that these antibacterial soaps are very much being pushed, um, even though, of course, this is a virus. Um, but the idea of increased hygiene, hand hygiene in any state is certainly going to um, irritate and abrupt the skin barrier. So um, I think we've all been wearing more gloves. We've been washing more frequently. And so even in those those of us who don't have a pre-existing uh, sensitive state, um, obviously are gonna be suffering from this. So um, in terms of this, inter uh, I certainly would recommend a gentle cleanser. So if and when one can use a gentle cleanser, uh, I do think that that would be very helpful. Um, if one could, uh, use a moisturizer, um, some type of uh, a barrier cream. So there are creams that have dimethicone in them um, and that acts as a barrier. It's very short term, but what that can do is at least protect the hands um, from the external environment because that's essentially how we do our work. Um, and of course, within the, the realm of what's safe to use with PPE, because I, I certainly wouldn't recommend putting moisturizer on and then putting gloves on. But if you're taking a break and having your lunch, then that would be a great opportunity to, to moisturize your hands. Another thing to remember is that with this constant irritation, we are abrupting the epidermal barrier. So what does that mean? We get these micro cracks in our skin. And so any of us who've ever had these sort of kind of prickly, prickly or itchy hands, um, if we looked at that under a microscope, what we'd actually see is these little micro cracks um, in the skin itself. So that's your body saying, ow, ow, ow. Um, if we can rebuild that barrier, um, that would be very helpful. And one of those molecules that's, that's um, been proven to help is something called ceramide. 
um, and that's C-E-R-A-M-I-D-E -E, um, for those who don't know it. And so that can really help to rebuild the barrier. Again, it's typically found in moisturizers. And I think that one of the best chances of getting the hands uh, to heal is overnight. So whatever the night is, if someone's on a shift work, whenever they're sleeping, great idea to lubricate the hands as much as possible, even potentially wear some cotton gloves over the moisturizer to bed so that the next morning that skin really has had a, a moment or a chance to, to rebuild and to heal. Thank you. Those are all excellent tips for um, sustaining the epithelial barrier of the skin. Another lasting image uh, of this moment have been photos of frontline workers and the rashes associated with prolonged face mask usage. Among occupational medicine physicians who work in health systems, we've also recently been starting to treat employees uh, of, for these rashes. I guess the first question that comes to mind, is this a contusion for prolonged pressure, a contact irritant, or an allergy? Million dollar question, my friend. Um, I, most likely, I, you know, we always say, you know, let's go with the horses, not the zebras. But, um, I, you know, I do think that there is a bit of uh, contusion if someone is wearing an extraordinarily tight, ill-fitting mask. So let's start with that. Um, however, if that's the case, I do recommend they get they get fit tested, of course, because we want to make sure that people are as comfortable at work as possible. That said, being a N95 mask wearer myself, uh, they're very, very um, tight and they can cause certainly a lot of um, irritation. So I would say that the majority of these are all irritant-based uh, reactions, which is non-immune mediated. Um, this is essentially friction on the skin. And honestly, our faces are not used to having this rubbing against the skin for you know, six, eight, 12 hours a day. So um, I, I, I understand that it is really a difficult, um, difficult situation for, for everyone. Um, so I would say that it's primarily this um, irritant uh, reaction, essentially. Interesting point, especially because as, as I'm hearing you, skin on the face is different than skin on um, maybe surfaces that have greater contact with the world, such as the hand and the feet. So I guess given that, if we are invoking that's an irritant, um, what would be an approach for assessing and treating these types of rashes? So that's a, that's a fantastic point and one that could not be overemphasized enough. Um, so I, I absolutely appreciate you bringing that up because you're right, the skin on the face um, is not meant to explore our world. It's not wearing gloves every day. So if you did look at say the um, stratum corneum, which is that top layer of barrier and sort of the dead keratin that protects us, you know, on the skin and even, even the lower parts of the um, epidermis are much thinner than on the, on the hand skin, especially the palm. So, so thank you for bringing that up. And that again, brings it, makes it much more susceptible. Um, but to your point over time, we're, we are going to build up some of our un, probably unwelcome, but um, probably probably helpful uh, thickening of that skin over time just, just because of the, the constant friction, just like you would anywhere else with a callus. Not many people want them on your face, so I, I, I acknowledge that. Um, however, I would say in terms of the workup, first I would you know, assess is the, is the mask fitting okay? Um, I think that would be a reasonable first step. Um, beyond that, um, assuming that the er eruption is primarily in the contact points, it's gonna be most likely an irritant. And so um, if we're just gonna first talk about irritation itself, um, to, to improve the skin, uh, again, I would use very similar approaches to the hands, 
um, where I would recommend a, a, a moisture, uh, excuse me, a, a hydrating cleanser um, after work. Um, as, and so just gentle cleans, cleansing to the area. Being very gentle is really important. Um, on the face, also using uh, a moisturizer that can help rebuild the skin. So again, with ceramides would be great. One of the good moisturizers, uh, moisturizing uh, elements is hyaluronic acid. It's a naturally occurring uh, molecule in the skin. Um, and so it's one that can also help to um, moisturize um, the top layer of skin. Um, so that certainly could be helpful. Um, even uh, if you've got someone who's really irritated by their mask uh, when they are off shift, um, one thing to consider is just over-the-counter mild uh, steroids, so something like an over-the-counter hydrocortisone 1%. Um, that comes in both a cream and an ointment. I found that ointments, um, which is more of a like a petrolatum base, is a bit more soothing than creams. Creams can sting if there's any open wounds. Um, but either one would be helpful just to calm down any of that if there's active inflammation or irritation. Um, and again, uh, taking advantage of that overnight uh, whenever one is sleeping, uh, just to put a little bit of a, a barrier cream on that area so that in the next morning, perhaps that skin can be ready to go for additional irritation. And along those lines, lastly, are there any other um, preventive measures that we should be aware of that can reduce or limit the development of PPE-related face, face mask rashes? You know, I love the idea of prevention. Um, and so, yes, if you can, if we can do something for our patients that is going to uh, help them, but then also remember, we really want to uh, maintain the integrity of the seal of the mask to the skin. So um, there's been some suggestion of using um, ointments and, and uh, moisturizers during the day while wearing uh, masks. And I would, I would um, argue or at least um, recommend against those. Because uh, again, you do not want to uh, decrease the integrity of the seal, um, nor the integrity of the filter, because that's really the main reason that we are wearing the mask. So um, to your point, um, there are some barrier films that are available. Um, so what this means is you would uh, potentially put a, a, a tape or a film on the skin itself. It does not interfere with the seal itself and then prevents the, the skin from seeing, I'm, I'm making air quotes right now, the skin from seeing um, the edge of the mask. So you're providing a little bit of a protection, a Band-Aid, if you will, um, but it essentially, but not inter interrupting that um, that barrier. So uh, there's barrier films, um, even a hydrocolloid dressing, um, and then also even silicone tape has been uh, somewhat helpful in these settings. So you can have them play around with that and see what's available, um, but these are all available um, potentially for, as barriers um, between the skin and the mask without interrupting that wonderful seal that we need. Well, thank you. Wow, these are all excellent pragmatic tips um, for both helping with PPE-related rashes as well as um, skin eruptions from increased hand hygiene. Dr. Lampel, thank you for joining us today for this insightful conversation on skin eruptions associated with COVID-19 infection and prevention. You're very welcome. Thank you very much for having me. Audience participants will find additional information on this topic next to the link for this podcast at www.woma.org. Included will be the web link for the COVID Dermatology Registry. On behalf of the WOMA Education Committee, the WOMA Board of Directors, and myself as moderator of this podcast, I want to sincerely thank our speaker, Dr. Heather Lempel, and also those of you who listened. The goal of these WOMA podcasts is to update you on a topic of current interest to occupational medicine. We know that this topic raises many more questions, and we hope that this information will generate further interaction beyond this podcast. This concludes today's podcast.